everybody. This is <laughs> Tiberius. I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Uh, this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by heading to patreon.com slash batmanuniverse or surveymonkey.com slash r slash tbu feedback to do the, the feedback survey. And if you're wondering why we were kind of laughing, it's because I totally forgot what our name was. Um, this, this is only the second time we're doing this. This is my first time because Tim, Tim did the other one. So our name is Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks. Well, fan. technically, I didn't have to do it last time since I said Alex before, since it was our last episode that way, and I handed over to you to do the introduction of our next yeah. or our new official name. So this technically is the first official time we're doing it, where it's just Mark Lemke or Mark Tiberius Lemke, Blackhawks fan. So yeah, didn't go yeah. as smoothly as uh, <laughs> it's been with just saying Alex. We got so many words now to say. <laughs> well, I mean, like you see, I was thinking about it. Like leading up to what we're doing right right now, recording this podcast. But for some reason, when I said "Hey, everybody," I totally forgot what our name was. Well, at least you caught it before you actually went into it, so <laughs> it wasn't like, yeah. "Hey, everybody, uh, what's our name again? Our new one?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks okay. fan. Uh, yeah, but anyway. Uh, so I finally beat uh, Final Fantasy. Ten. I was so glad to hear it when you texted me that. But yeah, once you texted uh, me, see, I was doing recording another podcast. When you texted, I was like, "Oh, Dane said he beat it," but he right. didn't say if he liked it or not. But I was like chomping at the bit to find out <laughs> what you thought of it. So well, you see, I was I was waiting for our podcast then, <laughs> to uh, to give my final review. Yeah, of I can't it. wait. So, um, hmm. how do I begin this? Uh. I will say that the story is really good. I love the story of Final Fantasy XV. Now, with that being said, I didn't really like how pretty much the entire story of Final Fantasy XV, if you didn't watch King- Kingsglaive to begin with, the the entire story is is told in the last eighth of the Great game, much, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. I really didn't like that because it just leaves you with the feeling that you're not really doing anything. I mean, you're collecting frogs. <laughs> you know, you're going around collecting red frogs, then yellow frogs, then green frogs, and you and know. The, it, I take it you didn't get to the last quest. We had to collect the very rare rainbow frogs. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because because I I I beat the game at uh, level thirty eight. I know there's people that you know were level fifty or sixty or seventy that beat the game. At that or some level, losers who uh, play it so much and be at level ninety nine. I wonder who that could be. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who could that be? Uh, yeah, it's me. Um, um, I just felt that you know, through th- throughout like the almost the entire game, it feels like you're not even part of the story. You're just playing something that kind of just exists. Mm-hmm. You know. Because um, the story is so far away, and what what happens with you know the the two cities and how they're going at it, like it it it, it doesn't really have an effect on what you're doing throughout most of the game. I mean, it, it, it's it's literally a two hour movie, is what it kind of feels like. Beating yeah, it, that's you a know? 
fair criticism, and I pretty much agree with you for the most part, except I did have fun doing those side quests because I did like the combat and just still being with the characters. So I did like it, but I totally get where you're coming from. And that probably is my biggest nitpick about the game, too, where the pacing of the story should have been spread out throughout the whole course of the game, not in the very beginning and not the very end. Because once you hit that ninth chapter, well, I mean, you can beat it in like it, an hour or two. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not that the combat was bad. I, I, I love the combat. It's just everything in between yeah, that. Yeah, I know you where know, you're coming from. All, all of these side quests, you know, getting an onion for that cook guy, the the, uh, the diner owner. Um, you know, it, it, it's just stuff like that, that that doesn't really seem to matter in the grand scheme of things. Whereas, I mean, I hate comparing it to Skyrim, but that's the only other really open world game I've ever played um, and I mean come on it's it's Skyrim and it's considered one of the greatest games ever made so it's kind of unfair but that being said uh, it, Skyrim do, does have like these side quests but they they, they get you invested in the story that that, old, that, that side quest story mm. you know they get you invested in it and I felt that with with Final Fantasy, it it's more like it doesn't even matter, you know, f- finding those those gemstones for that guy, the yeah. uh, Dino, that journalist guy. I just felt like that didn't really matter. And throughout most of the game, I'd say I I, I was I was like, you know, where's the story? Because there's not really that much story until. Like you said, you you reach the the ninth chapter. Yeah, I mean, the story, like you said, I do wish it was spread out more. It would have made for a more complete game and felt more like a cohesive storytelling experience. But I'm just glad to hear you did like the story when you got to it because I really got hooked into, like I said on our last podcast, the whole mythology and world that created in that universe. And spoiler alert for those who haven't finished it yet, and. Maybe you will plan to play it later on, but man, that ending, uh, it's so good. I beat it again just last week because, like I said, I leveled up to 99 and I wanted to kind of put a cap on it to all the cyclists I wanted to do and just finish it like for good before I move on to the next game. So I wanted to beat it one more time, which I did last week. Man, I just love that ending. It just tells a story or finishes the story for Noctis and his friends and this so whole battle of struggle he had to go through to become the king he was meant to be and the sacrifice that he had to make at the end because again spoiler alert he has to sacrifice himself in order to get rid of the villain Arden once and for all because he was an immortal and the only way to finally kill him forever and restore the world uh, back to peace was to sacrifice himself and to embrace the power of the former king so that was really good there were some moving scenes in there we were kind of talking about it too where that yeah. campfire scene where he's like saying his final goodbyes and just struggling to get it out and he <laughs> starts to cry like man like, you can't help but get a little love in your throat when you're watching that because you've been especially me who've been almost 100 hours <laughs> with these characters and like <laughs> they're saying the, their goodbyes and know he's going to sacrifice himself so it definitely has that impact that I wanted to have from the game so it took a while to get there and it's not that long but once it does it's Everything I could hope for from a new Final Fantasy game, from a story aspect, anyway. Yeah, and you know, I I have to say it. Uh, I 
I didn't expect uh, Luna to die. Yeah, that was another. That was pretty early. Well, I shouldn't say early on, but in the beginning of the end, yeah. <laughs> I guess of the story progress. Yeah. Like, yeah, that came as a shock too, because they didn't even get to come face to face with each other. Noctis and Luna's like, no. I know. <laughs> I mean, technically, they they did because she's giving that speech. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't talk to each other. <laughs> that was a really cool fight, though. But yeah, oh, and then I love that one. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, that fight right before you get to Arden with uh, is it Bahamut? Oh, uh, Ifrit's the boss, and Bahamut's the one who yeah, comes Ifrit, to fight. Yeah, Ifrit. that was awesome. <laughs> that yeah, cutscene, yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I had a really hard time with Arden. Like, like once you fight, start fighting Arden, I had a really well being hard time. level thirty eight. I mean, that's I got to give props to you for beating it still <laughs> because I think he's like, like mid level forties, maybe even fifty as a boss. So, yeah, really? it, yeah, because it, it it was all uh, question marks for me. His uh, level yeah, it, yeah. In the game, it doesn't tell you, but when you have the guide, it gives you like their stats. So. Oh, hmm. oh, you have the guide. <laughs> oh, I wish <laughs> I had that because I could have just followed that and not did all. All of the other side quests, but you know, overall, I have to say it was a good game. It was a good game because of the story. I just wish the story wasn't saved for the very, 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 yeah. very end. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, now that Final Fantasy fifteen is done, it doesn't take another ten years for Final Fantasy sixteen to come out. <laughs> <laughs> right, but. But I have to say, like one aspect I didn't like was the um, the sort of Strider uh, Return of the King kind of story that it had, where you're supposed to be like the guy. Yeah, I could see where there's little similarities, but I don't know. I didn't really think of that until you brought it up. But that didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I like that whole thing where the reluctant prince, you know, maybe doesn't want the responsibilities, but then has to, you know. Come, come of age t- type of thing where he accepts his responsibilities and then makes that ultimate sacrifice. I like how it played out in the game. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, how, how come um, how come Noctis a- ages so much in that little period <laughs> and the, the other guys barely... Pompeo had that little goatee, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I think yeah, that, uh, Glado had that man bun or something <laughs> on his hair. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but maybe because he was tr- stuck in that crystal for ten years and aged him up a little bit more than his friends. Oh yeah, I guess. Another thing you should I check guess. out, Dane. Too, I don't know if you saw it already though, but I don't think you, we've talked about it. Was the little anime series they had for it, Brotherhood? Yeah, that was pretty oh, yeah. good too. It pretty much it's a five part series that tells the backstory for a prompto Ignis and Gladio, like before they sat on the road trip and when they first met Noctis. That's really good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even it's know. They're all on that. YouTube. Uh, you can check them out there. Oh, okay. But Tim, I have to ask you, like, like definitely, definitively, do you, do you think they died? No, I don't think they do. Yeah, because I, I know I've heard speculation where they think they die when all those monsters come up at the end. They kind of have to fend them off, but they've been fighting monsters like that throughout the whole game. Like <laughs> they're experienced enough to take them all out, so we don't see what happens to them, but. For me, anyway, and until we get a definitive answer, I think they're alive still. Oh, okay. But yeah, anyway, uh, it's it's definitely a, a good game if you're just 
you see, I can't really recommend it for its story because uh, the the story is the at the very end. But if if you like a good story and you're willing to invest some time, you don't mind in side The game, yeah, and you don't mind meaningless side quests. Then, um, yeah, definitely pick yep. it up. Because it's, it's you know the best way to do game. it is because now that I beat it, you get the new game plus that carries over all of your stats from your previous playthrough. Yeah, and if, if you have my level where you're 99, you could just breeze like start a new game, just breeze through everything, and just do the story bits. Like you could probably beat it in a few hours because <laughs> there's not that much <laughs> and you're not overpowered. Oh, I see. But but have you um have you done any of the dungeons? Yeah, I did all the dungeons. Oh, is there one where there's like I mean it's just a yeah, big maze there's like no enemies in there, but you gotta have to make find yeah. your way out. <laughs> so, so what is that? I mean, what's the story behind? They really don't give you too much. Yeah. Oh, you just go in there and you try to yeah. find your way out. And you need oh. your flying car to get to there too. <laughs> Man, have you tried flying that thing? I don't know if you got it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. terrible at it. How many times I crashed? <laughs> and then you got to pay to get it repaired. One time my bill was 2,000 gil. I was like, what? I'm, oh. I'm just going to drive like normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they got to fix that in, a, in an update or a DLC or something. I know. It shouldn't be that difficult because to fly an airship. I know. It's, or in this case, an air car. Well, let me put it this way. Like, like my friend said, uh, just get the flying the the, the flying thing mm-hmm. right, and it'll be a lot easier for you. So I I go and I do that uh, through Cindy, and I can barely fly the thing. So I'm like, do I really? Need <laughs> well, this? if you want to do that last dungeon area, <laughs> that's the only I think what area where you need to have that flying car to get to. But other than that, oh yeah, and that was it. another. It, <laughs> Yeah, that was another bad thing about the game was the uh, the seven minute drives. Um, yeah, that 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 See, was. I didn't fun. mind those. I, I mean, like listening to the Final Fantasy music while I'm driving and taking in the graphics and scenery. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was good for like the first, I'd say, like two and a half hours. But you know, when you're 10 hours in and you have to go you have to drive 7 minutes to some place it's it's a little boring <laughs> yeah but at the same time too I had it where I get ability points and experience points while driving so I like to do that too just to kind of get a little extra stuff oh, yeah. to build with my character so yeah yeah and I wish I knew about that earlier because I would have got that <laughs> as soon as I could you could have been at level 39 instead of 38 <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's our Final Fantasy review now that both of us have uh, beaten it. Yeah, so it was a game I've been dying to play for a long time and glad to say I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, Dane, I don't, I'm just glad to hear you like the story because that's to me the most important <laughs> thing of Final Fantasy is getting engrossed in the story and character. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely the story. Um, is there any other uh, games coming out? I moved on to the next uh Kingdom Heart uh, HD remastered game that they put out yeah. on PS4, so I just started that one yesterday. So I pretty much gonna got that for February. Then Zelda Breath of the Wild comes out early March, and then oh, I yeah. have, 
Oh, that's Mass where Effect. I have a dilemma. I'm, I know yeah. I'm not going to beat Zelda in time for Mass Effect. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I, Mass Effect's going to have to wait a little bit because I'm going to be playing Zelda, I know, still. But Mass Effect looks well, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think Mass Effect is the only one I'm really, really looking forward to. And hope, hopefully we'll get um, uh, Batman the Telltale series uh, Season 2 announced. That oh, yeah, Season 2. Oh yeah, and the the um, other episodes for uh, The Walking Dead season three. Yeah, I st- still have to eventually play the first two. <laughs> I know you tell me how good they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 really good. Um, they don't come out as regularly as the uh, tell I mean, the the Batman. Really, got to wait a few months between episodes, huh? Yeah, because I mean, I think it's been a month now, like month and a week, I think. So. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the third episode. <laughs> Maybe they wanted to finish Batman and then, well, and then get the, that one out of the way, <laughs> then they can move on to The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's get into our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. Uh, the, uh, this is minute seventy five to seventy six. Um, so get your HD DVD. Get your. Uh, almost Blu-ray. <laughs> get your <laughs> beta. <laughs> Beta tape, get your H. I already said HD, yeah. HD DVD, mm. right? Uh, get your VHS tape, get your. Um, laser disc. Laser disc. <laughs> How can I forget it? Yeah, my so preferred big. format of watching movies, though. <laughs> I love getting up and flipping the sides on the laser disc to continue on. <laughs> How many. Uh, Movies came out for late. That's days. a good question. I don't even know. All I know is the original Star Wars trilogy was on there. So if I was old enough to buy one myself and had a job at that time, I probably would have got it just for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, get get all of those kind of medias and um, uh, just queue it to the seventy fifth minute. And I'm gonna give the countdown. So Tim, are you ready? All right, three, two, one, hit play. And Dane, you were keen to point out as we got it ready about those debris of rubble on the tumbler in that shot. <laughs> they look yeah. like foam blocks. <laughs> which they like, are. Like never really noticed that until even you can only find that out by doing a minute by minute commentary. Yeah, definitely. Oh, are we gonna make it on this episode? I think we are. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna so happen right up. now. And the bat is broken. <laughs> Say Many times of this podcast before, but oh, I, I still remember geeking out when the first time I saw that. Just thinking, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? <laughs> He's picking him up. Well, we did it. <laughs> uh, that's it, Dane. The part I was looking forward to the most during this commentary is pretty much over. They're dragging Batman away. Okay, so, yeah, I was about to say they're dragging him away, so what's going to happen So we're now? fading to black. Are we going to come out? Yep. John Blake. Yep. And, uh, in that's front of ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time perfectly, actually, the time we finished that. So, what that last? About four episodes, I think? That whole fight sequence? Yeah, four or yeah. five, I'd say. It's been a while. Which was exactly, I was hoping um, it would last for. <laughs> Something around those lines. Yeah, but you know how long it's going to be until we yeah. see Batman again? <laughs> it's going to be at least. 50 episodes. I know, that might be our 200th episode or something. <laughs> but we'll be seeing a lot, plenty of Bruce oh, Wayne in the, in the pit. Oh, yeah. 
the what what happens next in uh, in uh, Dark Knight Rises? Well, I think coming up, as we saw, so, as we left off, John was looking for Bruce at Wayne Manor. He's not there. Then he has to arrest Selina at the airport. I think. I think oh, those right, are the right. coming yeah. up pretty soon. Oh. And then we'll get Bane's speech wow, to Batman as he's in his cell, and then the yeah. football thing. So. Oh yeah. It's going to be a long time. Yes, it is, but we knew what we were getting into when we started this thing, so... <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. now. <laughs> but uh, why don't you tell everybody at home about our future topics for this episode? Yeah, so it's our time for the annual year-in-review episode, so it's a little later than usual because of the break we were on, but we wanted to make sure we get in our thoughts for the best of Batman in 2016 from the comics, from the, our favorite issue, the favorite writers, artists, our favorite moment or experience of the year. And of course, it wouldn't be complete without some of our disappointments of the year of 2016. But I will say just to kick it off, 2016 was a pretty big year for Batman. I mean, guy, he was in two movies, let alone one in Batman v Superman. And of course, with Suicide Squad, he got some great new comic stories with the launch of Rebirth, uh, the Batman Telltale video game series, and then... Unfortunately, the airing's not good, but Justice League Action had premiered, which I have to say, I saw the first four episodes when they had like the hour-long special. It was fun, it was good. Kevin Conroy's awesome as Batman, it was funny. But as usual with Cartoon Network, the scheduling's all off, so I haven't seen a new episode since. I think they're re-airing that. They put a bunch of episodes together as like one hour-long or hour-and-a-half-long special, and now they're showing them one by one again, so I think it's just taking it forever to catch up, but... Like they get you hooked, and then you gotta wait a bit. So hopefully they fix their scheduling because Justice League action has been pretty good so far. So yeah, tons of Batman stuff in the year 2016, and now it's time to go over which stuff was our favorite. So as always, we like to start with the comics and give our awards for our best comic writer. And I think Dane, you and me are going to be in agreement with this one. So for my favorite writer 2016, I had James Tinney in the fourth. I mean. Yeah. He's killing it on Detective <laughs> Comics, and that's reason enough, but what he did with Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the beginning of the year just solidified him as my no-brainer <laughs> best Batman comic writer of 2016. The way he was able to get those two franchises to work, and not just a fun story, but a compelling story that got you involved with the characters in an emotional way, too, was really, really well done. So and then, like I said, with Detective Comics and Rebirth, it's been my favorite of the Rebirth titles since it launched, and it's still continuing to be strong, so there's pretty much no way I can give it to anyone else but James Tinney in the fourth. He's killed it in 2016. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and I, th- I think this is actually his first big book, right? Yeah. If I'm one not of the, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than Detective Comics. The only one probably would be Action Comics. Yeah. Because he, he, he's done, uh, I mean, mostly just the backups, right, for for uh, Scott Snyder. And then uh, he did the... He was on Talon. Oh, I mean, the, the, hmm. Yeah, Talon. Yeah, and Batman right, Eternal, right. I know it was a big part of. Oh, yeah, Batman Eternal. But this is the his... His shot, right? Yeah. I mean, this is his chance. Um, so, yeah, definitely James Tinian is the, the the best comic writer of 2016 because 
nobody really compares to him. Uh, I'd say if we're taking the the entire DC universe, I'd say uh, Greg Rucka over James Tinian. But yeah, I agree. Uh, if it's just Batman, it's definitely yeah. See, James I still Tinian. think uh, Detective I mean, Wonder Woman and Detective are the two best right now. So you can't go wrong with either Tinian or Greg Rucka. And I'm also going to throw into uh, Peter Tomasi and his Superman run. I've really been enjoying that issue. What he's or that uh, series, what he's been doing with Superman and his family, with his son and Lois being from the previous continuity, but making their way into this new one here, and this the new dynamic they have has been great too. So those three would probably be my favorites, but James Tinian gets the top notch, especially for doing Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so next up would be our favorite comic artist of 2016. And this one I had to narrow down to three, but... I'm going to have to, for my favorite, I'm going to have to go on and stick with the detective theme because, yeah, <laughs> Detective's just been one of the best series of 2016, and it started off great with the writing and with the art by Eddie Barrow. So I'm going to give Eddie Barrow's my nod for my favorite artist of 2016, especially in, during that first arc. And unfortunately, he hasn't uh, been on every issue, but when he does, it's just great. It goes perfectly with the story that James Tinian tells, and there are certain moments, character moments, where the art style changes and the format of it's really good. I remember in the first issue with Clayface, the layout of it was great and the either the coloring or just the shade of it was made it unique and separate from the rest of the issue, but it still re- looked really good. I think there was another moment with that with uh, Batwoman uh, either telling a, like giving a flashback telling a story or just something where she was talking to someone, but the way it was drawn was similar to the one where in the first issue with Clayface where it just very unique but fit that moment in the issue so and just throughout the first arc Eddie Barrows just did great stuff with all the characters in there so he's going to give my top pick for my favorite writer of 2016 but also going to give shout outs to Nicola Scott for uh, Wonder Woman the year one stories the artwork on that has been fantastic throughout and then Eduardo uh, Risso who did the artwork for the great graphic novel by Paul Dini, A Dark Knight, or Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. That one was, art of that was really great. Capturing the different styles of like the animated series, and then there's different panels where they're looking back at the old Batman TV shows and just the art that went throughout the book as Paul Dini is telling the story. That was just fantastic as well. But for, I'm going to give it to Eddie Barrow just for, again, combining with James Tinian's great writing for making a really, really great book in Detective. So I'm going to give him my favorite artist nod. Yeah, and Alex just, uh, he's resending his email right now. So ah, thank great. you, Alex. Some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking before the episode, like how Alex doesn't send his email yet, or we lost it. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I mean, I must have deleted it, I guess. Um, sorry, Alex. But anyway, um, Best comic artist, I'm going to go with the recent one uh, because, I mean, just to be different, he he was on Detective, that's why. Uh, ben Oliver for his recent uh, Batwoman slash Batman de- de- Detective Comics uh, uh, art because it has that J.H. Uh, Williams style, but he brings his own thing to it, but... Like you said, I think overall I'm going to have to give it to uh, Nicola Scott for Wonder Woman because it's, it, it, it's just perfect for that book and, yeah. uh, and the way uh, uh, Greg Rucka writes. So uh, ben, Oliver, 
Ben Oliver for uh, Batman and Nicola Scott just overall. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of those choices. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got our best writers and our best artists covered. So let's go into best single issue of 2016. And this one took me a little bit to think about because, as we said, there's been a lot of great Rebirth books. And at the beginning of the year, some of the stuff that wasn't <laughs> involved with Rebirth. So, But I narrowed it down, and it's probably not going to be a huge surprise for those who've heard my review on it few episodes, or not a few episodes ago, a while ago, <laughs> earlier in the year, but Batman TMNT number four. I knew when I read that one, I gave it a five out of five, and I was already going to be a contender for my favorite issue after I read it, and it stayed there. <laughs> this, that was the one where it really got into, you know, how Batman wants to look out for the turtles because he views them as a family and goes back to the promise he made when his parents died, where he's not going to let what happened to him happen to any other family no matter you know like what they are how different they are the circumstances what because in the story the turtles being in gotham city and away from their universe they're eventually gonna you know devolve into back to their normal turtle form and just have no memories of them you know being mutated and being sentient so that's where batman had to you know view it where he was gonna have to save this family and it was a great moment because Raphael stormed out being Raph and not agreeing with everyone and he doesn't think he doesn't like Batman to say the least so Batman goes to find him that he takes him to crime alley tells him about how he lost his parents and that's why he goes into how he needs to save the turtles because of the promise he made it was just a great way to tie into these franchise and bring in that family dynamic and what Batman's all about and what the turtles all about so that issue stuck with me after I read it and continued to throughout the year. So that one is the top as my favorite issue of 2016. Hmm. You know, I I know this is uh, the Batman 2016 year in review, but I'm going to have to go with uh, a Wonder Woman issue. Hey, we've been reviewing it on the podcast, so <laughs> it's perfectly fine yeah. to pick Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure which uh, issue it was. Um, but the the issue where she's uh, competing to leave Themyscira, uh, okay, where she's yeah, she she's not really even interested to begin with. Uh, you know, she it, it's almost like she doesn't even want to leave Themyscira, but uh, she eventually is in the games and she ends up winning. And just her departure and everything she says to her her mother uh, before she leaves is definitely why it's the best single issue of 2016. Yeah, then when you think about where the story went to, I mean, if we didn't know about the time of reading it, but how that was really the last time she was on Paradise Island yeah. in Mascara because <laughs> the whole live storyline revealing that she's never been back. So, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, has more ways to it now when you look back on it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. All right, so we got our positives uh, <laughs> for our comic books. Now it's time to unfortunately move on to our disappointments because the year of great stuff is always going to be disappointments, unfortunately. So, wait, wait, you, you're uh, missing one, Tim. Oh, that's right. Uh, favorite yeah. overall Batman moment or experience? <laughs> How can I miss <laughs> that? Okay, favorite overall Batman moment or experience? I guess I was just sticking on the comic front, so. <laughs> but yeah. This one, I mean, like I said at the beginning, new movies, new video games, great new comics, new TV shows. So there was a lot to choose from. 
So I have some of my runner-ups, and I'll see where what you pick, Dane. But my favorite one I'm going to have to go with is Batman the Telltale series video game. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expected to be good and have fun, but I didn't expect to be one of my favorite Batman experiences ever. Like I said, a lot of times I reviewed it, the ability to be in the shoes of Batman and Bruce Wayne, making those decision, decisions and telling pretty much your Batman story based on what you decided was just so, so cool. And the story was great. It was different. New spins on classic characters that you didn't expect, but worked really well. I mean, it was a complete package. So it was unexpected to for me to love it as much as I did, but I'm glad to say it was my favorite overall Batman experience of 2016. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with you. Um, I, it's not that I I didn't expect to like it. It's it's more like I was wondering how they were going to do the combat in the game, and that really surprised me more than the story. How it's more of a quick time event. You know, you got to press the square button, then you got to press the circle button in certain spots, and you, you charge up your your bat meter or whatever it's called. Uh, to to do your special move, um, I just really enjoyed uh, the combat overall, and uh, I like you. I love the story and um, how it changes depending on uh, uh, the choices you make. I mean, especially in that fifth episode, yeah. because w- we had totally different yep. <laughs> beginnings. Uh, mine was Penguin. Yours was Two Face. Yep. Two Face. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely Batman, the Telltale game, uh, Batman series. Yeah. yeah, that one was definitely the best. But for other stuff that were highlights of the year were Batman-related, I mean, I mentioned it as far as the art goes, but Dark Knight, a true Batman story by Paul Dini, that was so good. That was one, definitely one of the best comics of the year that we got. So, I have to give a shout out to that and anyone who hasn't read it yet definitely pick it up especially if you're a fan of the animated series I would almost say it's required reading if you're a diehard animated series fan like I am <laughs> so definitely get that right. and then also I mean gotta give a little love to Batman vs. Superman on this too I know that's had a rough year but that Batman warehouse fight scene that was a scene in the Batman movie I've been dying to see for a long time and it was awesome I mean, it looked great from the trailers but it was even better in the movie because not only did we get to see more of that action sequence play out as a whole, but I just love the whole reason that Batman is there to save Martha Kent. And it just added a little more weight and dynamic to the overall awesomeness of seeing Batman just kick so much butt in that sequence. So that one was pretty high up there. It was one of my favorite Batman moments, too. So those three, three, well, those three things <laughs> were some of the stuff where I geeked out the most, but none of them are going to be Batman the Telltale series. That had some draw, jaw-dropping moments in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I was going to pick that um, warehouse fight scene, but it's it's more the everything else that happens in that movie that made me pick the uh, mm. Telltale. Yeah, game. just as a complete package, it's really hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so now that we got our positive awards out, we could give our not so positive <laughs> accolades out with our disappointments of 2016. So. We're just going to do all the categories we did at first, but this time it's going to be in the disappointments. So, most disappointing comic writer of 2016. And this one, you know what? 
you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of Tom King's Batman, but he's had some good issues in there. So I can't say he's been the most disappointing. The one I'm going to give it to you is Tim Seeley for Nightwing. That one I didn't like from the get-go, <laughs> pretty much from Rebirth. And then I made it through the first story arc, Better Than Batman, and that was about lasted five issues. And I haven't gotten the Nightwing issue since, unfortunately. There were, there were the Monster Men tie-ins, but that was a tie-in. But any other story arcs I just haven't been interested in because of the, yeah. <laughs> that first one was just so disappointing. I couldn't get into the story. I didn't like the scenario of Nightwing still being undercover, not telling everyone he's alive. Yeah, yeah, no. Just, or, no, they knew he was alive, but, you know, what he was doing and still being undercover, working for... It wasn't the Court of Owls. It was, like, an offshoot of them that had a different name. I can't even remember what it was. But it just wasn't that great. And It's a bummer because I love reading Nightwing stories, and it just hasn't been good. And there's been a lot of great books out there, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I love the character, but there are better stories that I'm enjoying more. So, unfortunately, this one has to pay the price of being cut from my pull list because I can't get all of them, unfortunately. So, yeah, but it kind of pained me a bit not to be picking up a Nightwing book. And we got him back in his blue costume, too, so I was looking forward to that. That, that can't save it, though. <laughs> so, yeah, Tim Seeley's Nightwing is probably my biggest disappointment as a comic writer for 2016. Um, it really pains me to say it because I, I wanted to, like... Uh, um, Tom King so bad because Mark was, you know, it is a huge fan of Tom King. Um, but because I didn't read the Nightwing <laughs> book, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to pick Tom King. I mean, I like the guy. Uh, I like what he says about Batman. I like, you know, I I just like the guy, but it's it's his Batman run that I just didn't like. Um, it, it didn't really get me into the story. I didn't agree with, you know, how he was writing Batman. Yeah. Um, it's just well, it, it's it's just one of those things where you want to like it because you like the person, uh-huh. but it's. It's just not what you expected because it's it, it. I mean, we we reviewed it on this show, and I ended up dropping it because it just wasn't clicking with me. And maybe it was for other people, but for me, it just wasn't. It, it just wasn't connecting. And I hate to say it, but Tom King is my disappointing comic writer of 2016 yeah i have to say i agree with you on most of your points but like i said there has been some issues i really liked and early on but just too inconsistent yeah for me as you've heard me <laughs> ramble out on right. previous episodes and reviews but yeah i know where you're coming from you just can't help especially with being a batman title too and maybe it's my right. fault for this but it hasn't gotten so bad where i felt i needed to drop it but part of me thinks you know i can't drop it because it is the main Batman title, despite how bad it is. Thankfully, it hasn't been like Nightwing, where it's like, I just don't care about it. There are stuff and aspects in those stories I do like. It's just not all the time and mixed in with stuff I really don't like. So I won't be dropping it anytime yeah. soon, but I know where you're coming from. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There there were aspects of that book that I like. Um, I like uh, Gotham Yeah, Girl. she's great. 
uh, yeah, I, I think she's a she's a great character that he um, he created. Um, but it's kind of everything else that I I, I don't like. Um, and of course, I didn't read Nightwing. Like you did, <laughs> and you're better off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Those are our most disappointing writers and disappointing artists of 2016. This one was really hard because I got to say, thinking back, and I didn't go through all the 2016 Batman issues, but nothing really stood out to me as something being really bad. Where like, this was not good. Maybe there is one I just don't remember, but off the top of my head, and since Rebirth, especially, I don't think there was any issues in the Bat books that really made me think, oh, this was a really bad issue, how it looked and the drawings. So that's good in that front. But the only one that came to mind was, this is not Batman-related, but it's an issue of Flash. Flash number nine, the artist Jorge Corona. That one stood out to me. I remember reading for the first time, like, this isn't uh, the normal artist who was on Flash. You can really tell the character faces were really exaggerated. They just didn't look natural. It was just kind of messy. So there was no Batman books where that had disappointing artwork. Unfortunately, I have to give the dishonorable mention to Jorge Corona on the Flash number nine. I always feel bad saying disappointing artist because even if it's really bad, it's better than anything I can draw. So <laughs> I don't like to nitpick and critique <laughs> artists, but I couldn't help but thinking of that issue as an art style that I just really didn't like and kind of took away from the issue as I was reading it. Yeah, for me, I I don't really have one because, I mean, like I said, I only read the bad books and Wonder Woman um, and all of them. Even uh, Batman, Tom King's Batman, has been uh, great mm-hmm. on artists. So, I, yeah, I don't yeah, really have one. Yeah, that's good that you don't have one. <laughs> okay. yeah. And you just happen to read The Flash, so <laughs> you can't make a Jorge Corona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so most disappointing issue of 2016. And this one, uh, sorry, Mark and Jordan, but I'm going to have to <laughs> go on a disappointment for Batman. Uh, Batman number 10 by Tom King. This was the second part of I Am Suicide Squad, and if you hear my review on it in, a, in one of our episodes a few weeks back, you'll know how much I did not like this one. It was where Catwoman was letter was the monologue of the whole issue. I felt it, it wasn't placed right in the, how the story was being told. You see Batman trying to infiltrate Santa Prisca, and you got this heartfelt letter from Catwoman, which was great stuff, but I felt it didn't feel right to tell it at this point of the story as we see Batman infiltrating Bane's uh, prison. And the thing that really got me in this issue was Batman's line of dialogue where he just said the same thing over and over and over again. That's all he said about the whole issue. Uh, the whole thing about breaking Bane's back. I don't remember exactly what the word for word was. We think I would since that's all he said in the issue, but <laughs> uh, it just really felt off and for Batman to be saying that over and over for the whole issue. So I just remember really not liking that. And then there's other issues in that I Am Suicide run that, as I mentioned last week, that I really didn't like about Batman thinking his parents would be laughing at him right now for being Batman. But that second part in Batman number 10 where Batman kept saying that line over and over again against Catwoman's heartfelt letter that stepped out of place as you were looking at the, the artwork and seeing Batman infiltrate Santa Prisca. So... That one was my most disappointing issue. Also, in fact, too, because I really like part one where Batman was recruiting his suicide squad team to infiltrate Santa Prisca, and I was looking forward to see where it was going to go, and then it got followed up with that issue. So, unfortunately, Batman number 10 is my most disappointing issue of 2016. 
Ah, I hate to do it again. <laughs> and Mark and Joyner are going to turn off the episode <laughs> before we're done talking yeah. about this. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm I'm not going to say it because there was thing there, there were things that I liked about uh, Tom King's Batman. So I'm not going to say it. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't have a disappointing issue of Tony. <laughs> You're just being too nice, Dean. <laughs> I, well, I mean. There, like I said, there there were things that I liked about Tom King's Batman. It's just I didn't like the story, so I'm not gonna say it, Tim. Okay. I can't say it. I'll respect <laughs> you not to want to be repetitive and too much of a Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our final one: biggest disappointment in 2016 of Batman. So, yeah, I mentioned Nightwing as far as comics and. Tom King's Batman, you know, hit and miss for me. But unfortunately, again, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse and bringing this back up. <laughs> but now that it's almost a year old, but I just can't help but say Batman versus Superman is the biggest disappointment. And I'm someone who still kind of likes aspects of it and can watch it and enjoy it. I don't hate it. But going into it, super excited. I was expecting it to be, you know, up there with Man of Steel and even better than Man of Steel because I love that and being one of my all-time favorite superhero movies because you have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman on screen for the first time. But unfortunately, as much all the cool stuff that was in there, like the warehouse fight, the Batman vs. Superman fight, the ending with Wonder Woman, there was just so much <laughs> problems and unnecessary messes in that movie that led up to that. And as great as Ben Affleck's Batman is, I think it's going to go down as one of the best. But the whole thing of his killing and wanting to kill Superman so bad throughout the movie just like I said in our review episode just did not feel right for me and still doesn't feel right when I watch it so unfortunately that's going to be my biggest disappointment just because my expectations were so high for it so sorry BVS to keep pounding on you but <laughs> this will hopefully be one of the last times it's, it's our look back on 2016 we're moving forward and looking to the future so yeah. but as a final close of 2016, I would never have thought I would have said this last year, but yeah, Batman vs. Superman, probably my biggest disappointment of the year. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you and add something to it. Um, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. See, Suicide Squad, I still really like. So uh, I know there's you and Mark <laughs> were the biggest fans and you still stick by that but to me watching it again like I said on our last episode it's like I just can't help but really enjoy it so <laughs> but I understand yeah um, yeah Batman versus Superman for all the reasons you said um, I, I think you put it perfectly Tim unnecessary mess mm. um, I, I think that term is uh, is pretty much the main problem of or with uh, Batman vs. Superman. And we've said it, we've talked about it, and we've talked about it, and we've talked about it, how, um, how bad uh, Batman vs. Superman is. Um, but like you said, Tim, I was going into it excited because uh, the Trinity's in there. Um, we're finally going to get to see a live-action uh, Wonder Woman um, and all that stuff, but it was just a huge disappointment. Um, yeah, the, the Batman warehouse fight scene was good, but it's the other, I'd say, 
two hours and 30 minutes that <laughs> weren't good. I don't know if I'd go that uh, far. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, Unnecessary Mess is Batman versus Superman's biggest disappointment, and it's what makes it one of the biggest disappointments in 2016. Now, moving on to Suicide Squad, it's the same thing, where... There's a lot of unnecessary stuff in there. Uh, the story is completely, completely uh, messed up because I don't know if it was the edit, the editing, the 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 um, the studio interference. I'm sure, that didn't help. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was. It 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 just started off with with a bad script to begin with. Um, I didn't feel the performances were that really? good. Really, that's the strongest um, aspect. I mean, I mean, I mean, for one thing, you don't even get to know Katana. Oh, yeah, but she was never she meant to be a major there. character, though. You know, in an ensemble, there's going to be right, characters right, like but, that, right? But yeah, but in, in an ensemble, you kind of get a feel for who the characters are. I mean, you, you get the whole scene w- w- with her, you know, where. I, I don't even I think it's Rick Flagg that explains uh, what yeah, her katana yeah. is all about and uh, I mean I think she's just there as a plot point yeah, to be honest she totally for is. the end um, I felt the performances were bad by uh, uh, you see now I forget his name uh, Captain no. Boomerang <laughs> uh, what are that guy's names yeah uh, yeah, yeah uh, Rick Flagg I Really didn't like that performance. Um, I mean, the only two people that were good were, were uh, Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Um, it should have just been the the Will Smith Margot Robbie movie the whole time, and we just cut out all the rest of the guys. Never mind Suicide Squad. Let's make the the Dead Shot and Harley <laughs> Quinn movie. You know, so um, like Batman versus Superman, we've talked about Suicide Squad and what's wrong with it. Um, so those two are the biggest disappointments in 2016. Uh, it just leaves the entire DC movie universe in a bad, bad place, bad position. Because if Wonder Woman doesn't just completely, you know... If Wonder Woman isn't completely amazing, then it's going to be really, really bad for the DC movie. Yeah, this year is more important than last year as far as, you know, with Wonder Woman and Justice League trying to get everybody on board with the DC movie universe because, yeah, it's split right now between those who hate it and those who love it. So, and some who are in the middle and could like certain things and not like other things. It's kind of like how I am. But, yeah, it's funny when you're talking about Suicide Squad, you see David Ayer's recent uh, tweet about looking back on it, how he goes, if he's able to make changes, he would, or if he had a time machine, he would do things differently. And he even said one of the things would be to have Joker as the main villain of the movie, which kind of something we thought was going to happen from the beginning and did make more of a sense than the whole Enchantress thing. So, yeah, it's just funny how he kind of realizes that now. But hopefully, if anything, makes it better for him learning from that experience going on to the Gotham City Sirens. I just thought it was interesting he actually came out and said that. I was like, yes, you should have. <laughs> but it's cool on him for coming out and saying that because most probably directors, we've heard it before, have used a 
say the usual line, oh, yeah, well, I stand by it. It's for the fans and all that. But nope, he realizes some of the problems it had and wants to improve on it. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, you, you, you can't use Joker like that in a story. He's either the main villain yeah. or he's not in mm. at all. And, I mean, I, I think I said this last episode, I'm not the the biggest fan of Jared Lowe's <laughs> Yeah, ever since then now, I've, I almost refer to him it's as the Elvis kind Joker. Of bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of bad. You know, he's, he, he's trying to do the Heath Ledger thing. I mean, I know I know he, he, he said he hasn't watched The Dark Knight um, since he watched it the first time. He, he said something about that, but... He's definitely just playing Keith Ledger. Yeah, there's aspects of it in there. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. You so, know what? Speaking of, of Joker, it's been a while since I've gone on a costume rant. So do you mind if I talk about the latest episode? <laughs> oh, no. No, wait. wait. Before, you, be, before you do, I have to say that I saw the picture of... What's his name? Jerome. Jack? Is it? Jerome. With uh, the, the the Scott Snyder uh, death uh, of the family, uh, yeah, Joker, and that looks <laughs> so bad. <laughs> that looks so bad. But with that being said, okay. So here is my thing. You know, forgot the. Uh, it is what it is. It does stuff. It that does goes against the Batman mythos. Yeah, but when it comes to the Joker, that's something else. And this episode. I said in a tweet, only Gotham could have something that I actually really like and hate at the same time. <laughs> because uh, what they're doing with the Joker should not be happening right now. It's I mean, Batman and Joker, as we all know, they're linked together. And they always will be, but now they're being in here. And like he has all these followers already. And, and it's weird, because he's not even up like a clown. But after he died in Season 2, or presumably died, he became this cult following. People were being inspired by him. It was almost becoming like Batman Beyond already, where the Joker gang has been formed. Yet there's no Joker yet. It just does not work. But when I see the actor's performance of Jerome slash Joker, he does a good job. I mean, and especially in this episode, it was it could have been a cool story if it was a Joker set in the Batman timeline, not before. But because it's not, it just uh, makes you roll your eyes like, why are you doing this now? But he, there was a scene where he cuts off his face and he just has bandages on his face and he's in the, the Gotham uh, City precinct. And it had this creepy effect and he was pulling off a great Joker that you would think he's the Joker because his face is all covered in bandages and it he played it really well. But at the same time, once, it looks better than when he got the actual, his face back and uh, stapled it on <laughs> yeah it doesn't have quite the same effect as uh, the artwork by Greg Capullo and Death of the Family but I do like how they're kind of going for that effect and giving a little nod to it so it's one of those things where they shouldn't be doing it at all because it just does not make sense in the grand scheme <laughs> for the Batman mythos but they're doing what they want the actor who's playing it, it does a good job I won't give him that it just seems to be wasted when it should be a normal Joker Batman story so yeah Gotham continues to be a perplexing series where it does some cool things with characters, but it just makes you frustrated and roll your eyes. Like, why are you doing it now? So, so, so you're I'm still, still watching, watching it. it, yeah. Until they do something that really goes off yeah. the rails and just makes me go. Oh, that's it. Is um, is Fish Mooney? Thankfully still not. She wasn't at the beginning of the season, but yeah. they kind of she like went off because she's like. 
uh, she brought back to life, but she's slowed, slowly dying still. So she took Professor uh, Strange and to try to help her find a way to keep her alive, but they haven't brought her back since. So <laughs> it's been nice without having her. In there. <laughs> Matt Hatter has actually been a really good uh, point this season. I mean, again, too soon to be bringing him in, but they they did it in a way that yeah. worked and some of the other characters and Batman villains they brought in early on. So his story was good. Is uh, is Gordon still in there? Yeah, he's still the main character. Still goes oh, back and forth. Oh, he's One day the main he's on, character? He's the cop he leaves, he's back, <laughs> leaves, he's back. <laughs> right now he's a cop again. <laughs> Yeah, because cause I remember reading at one point he was a security yep, guard. In Arkham, something. yeah. <laughs> at the start oh, of the season, Arkham. he was a bounty hunter. Um, okay, I don't know how you go from that to being back on the, <laughs> on the GCPB. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can't believe you're you're still watching yeah. that. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder that myself. <laughs> I mean, why? Yeah, why? yeah I, I still get some entertainment value from it. There, like I said, there are some stuff that, that that's pretty cool. But then it's like okay. you roll your eyes the the next scene. <laughs> yeah. But um, Flash is yeah, back. yeah. I mean, I I still haven't seen that show, but I do <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> podcast because hey, they they do a great job. Andy does a great job of. Telling me all the plot points. Flash has been good, but not great as the last two seasons. There's something about this one where this hasn't been hitting all the right, like yeah. hitting all the right beats like the last two seasons had. So I don't know. It's not like horribly bad, but just not quite as good. Legends of Tomorrow mm. has been my favorite of the DC shows actually this season. What about um, Supergirl? Supergirl, it's not that hasn't been as good as its first season. Uh, they brought in the stupid plot point of. Jimmy Olsen becoming the vigilante guardian, and it's just awful. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's unnecessary. It's pointless. Like they have the character Jimmy on here, but they, we don't know what to do with him. Let's be, make him a superhero. Have him keep it from Kara, and you know, eventually they'll find out, and she'll be mad at him, and they'll be mad at each other. Like that yeah. stuff hasn't happened yet, but you know, it's going to. So, <laughs> oh right, right. That um, she. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's uh, love interest. Well, that lasted of... like two episodes. So. <laughs> no. Oh, never mind. <laughs> because I, I only seen the mm. pilot. Yeah, it was hinted at. It seems like... But then yeah. when they actually yeah, kind yeah, of right. revealed their feelings for each other, it lasted two episodes. <laughs> and now no. it's a superhero, and it's Figures. awful. <laughs> yeah. Is, now, now, I have to ask you the biggest question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has Dean Kane been on any? <laughs> he was on episodes? an episode like two or three episodes before the mid-season finale. So yeah, he has been yeah. in it this season. Okay, good. Because if if you have a Superman show or any of the, any of you know anything from Krypton, I'd say you have to have Dean Kane in it. <laughs> That's a must for you, huh? You just have to. Were yeah. you even that big of a I mean, Rosen Clark fan? I've never seen that show. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't that that doesn't mean that I don't support the career of Dean Kane. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> well, he should hopefully be in the next uh, Superman movie then too. <laughs> if 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 he is Tim. 
it's definitely one of the greatest superhero movies You'll have ever to say made. that no matter what you think of it. <laughs> if Dean Cain's in it, it's automatically yep. good. Yep. Yep, it's automatically the greatest thing, gr- the greatest superhero movie ever <laughs> All right, made. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never be in there. Right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, though. Um, but anyway, it, it, is there anything else you wanted to... Uh, say about the uh, I think that's topic. it the only thing is that Mark chimed in on Twitter saying what his favorite comic story was of the year well actually I just realized it's a little uh, he missed the mark because he put uh, Batman Rooftops by Tom King but that's 2017 so <laughs> uh, oh. well I mean he he is a Tom King fan so he, I mean we might as well say uh, or answer it for for him and say uh, Tom yeah, King's <laughs> we can go ahead. I'm sure he could lump it all into one. And he also said, agreeing yeah. with you, Dane, that Suicide Squad was a bad movie. So I'm I'm oh, going to be alone, okay. it looks like, for the most part, in defending it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's our picks for 2016 and hopefully some more good stuff in 2017. I don't know if it's going to be as big uh, for Batman stuff as we had last year, but no doubt some cool stuff coming in 2017 as well. So, We'll be here to recap it all again, <laughs> the first bit of 2018. <laughs> so hopefully we're in for another good Batman year. Yeah. Um, our news, I mean, we, we don't really yeah. have a lot of news. It's it's mostly the uh, the big announcement that The Rock is going to be playing Black Adam. In his own movie. Because yeah. he was going to be Black movie. Adam for a while, Sorry. but that was supposed to be a Shazam, yeah. but now he's getting his own, which I think could actually be a pretty cool idea because... Hopefully, if I were in charge of it, I would put the Black Adam movie first because Black Adam has like a great history as far as you know a background story for him and leading up to where he in the present and faces off against Shazam and how he first got the powers, kind of abuses it during like the ancient Egypt times. And if they tell that story and we get the basic premise and idea of how the powers of Shazam work. And it sets up for Billy Batson to take uh, those powers again in his own movie. I think that could be a nice prequel setup movie into Shazam where they actually face off. So I think it could actually be a cool way to build that mythology of Shazam and have it be in two separate movies. I think, of course, I think the big reason is The Rock is such a big star right now. And Warner Brothers would want to use him to headline (laughs) his own movie as the main character. So it makes sense in that aspect, too. So. Again, it's another DC movie to put on the slate, and I'm not going to complain about that. So I think it could be cool. All right. So uh, our other piece of news is that the Teen Titans uh, Judas Contract, uh, the the voice cast, has been reviewed. Uh, yeah, so Sorry. the only reason I want to bring this up in the voice cast, because it's returning the old cast that would get some of the old Teen Titans movies, like Justice League vs. Teen Titans, but... Uh, Deathstroke and uh, Tara have just been cast. Christina Ritchie is playing Tara, and then Miguel uh, Ferrer, if I'm saying that right, he's playing Deathstroke. And this kind of sucks because I think once they just got announced, he passed away like the day of or the day after, which was oh right, yeah, yeah, kinda a bummer to hear. But yeah. <laughs> uh, they released the first image of it as well, and something stood out to me that was disappointing with Nightwing, and I was just talking about in the new comic series. He's sporting his red costume in this movie. It's like, no. <laughs> we just got him back in the blue suit in the comics. Now the animated movie universe is going to the red. Just stick it to the blue. Was, I remember seeing it. In the New 52, I was not happy when that happened. Blue's my favorite color. And it looked, 
Nightwing costume was one of my favorites, and when it got changed to red, it just, yeah, did not look the same. It grew on me eventually, but I never really came to terms with it as far as replacing the blue one. So I was glad once in Rebirth it came back. But now seeing it here pop up in the movie, it's like, no, why'd you do that? <laughs> so hopefully it's just for this movie and he'll go back to the blue in the next one because seeing it again just made me realize that how it pales in comparison to how the blue one looks. <laughs> but still excited about the Judas Contract movie. And it looks like they're keeping it in with the DC uh, animated movie continuity like the Justice League, Batman, and Teen Titan ones have been. I was curious to see if they were going to really make it based off the comic with as far as art design and characters, but they're keeping it within the new main continuity line, so it should be interesting. Still excited for it, so should be out sometime later this year, and I can't wait. Of course it's an can, animated too. DC movie. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, now we can get into our conversation with Alex. Slash yeah, I'm a little feedback. nervous since I haven't had time um, to look at his questions since he had to resend it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alex says hey Mark long name sports of a thing <laughs> you see Alex can't remember yeah. either <laughs> that's a great one too though I have to say um, <laughs> uh, thanks again for another great episode it's going to take me a while to remember the new name but I think it's way better than the last one <laughs> yuck I can't stand, pe- stand people with that name um Great discussions, as always. I'm so glad that you guys are back. Well, Alex, we're glad that you emailed our show and resent it after we lost (laughs) it. See how Uh uh, uh, out of tune we are in this podcast? (laughs) Can't remember the names, deleting emails. So we got to get back into the routine. You take take two and a half, three weeks off. Uh, I think it was a full month. (laughs) Everything is... (laughs) Um. He says, uh, thanks for letting me know about uh, the Joker's parents. Wow, guys, Joker is not a very nice fellow. I've changed my stance on Joker being uh, on Illin Villain. <laughs> I like that terminology, Illin Villain. I believe him to be sane like Bane. Yeah, that rhymes. Uh, I just think he pretends to be crazy, and Batman tries to convince himself that Joker is men- mentally ill because... It helps Bruce retain his sanity. He just wants to watch the world burn and Cookie Monster voice wants to prove everyone else is as ugly as him. Also, I don't know anything about Final Fantasy, but I've seen some of the characters and I gotta ask, how are those skinny dudes able to use such (laughs) massive swords? (laughs) Are they like Samson? Do, Do they get their strength from their hair? Or does their hair gel give them <laughs> their super strength? Does the gel have sentience? What's its name? <laughs> is it Overlord George? Oh, it's Overlord George, right? All hail Overlord oh, man. George. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is an ongoing joke in <laughs> Final Fantasy, especially with 7 and 8, with Cloud and his hair, and you know how big his buster sword is and how skinny he is. <laughs> hey, you just kind of buy into the universe and... The laws of physics don't apply. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's uh, powers and like, there's magic in there. So there's different ways, especially in seven when you have those materia orbs that give them those different strengths. Yeah. So you could just say cloud having those equipped to the sword just makes it lighter. So, 
But I think the bigger mystery is having his hair stay like that throughout the entire game and not have it get messed up and <laughs> stay perfectly spiked like that. That's the bigger uh, thing that's unrealistic than him carrying that big sword. So yes, maybe it is Overlord George as the hair gel sent. <laughs> that would make for a good summon. Um, <laughs> but as always, Alex has questions. He said he asks asks uh, is the best Batman infiltration technique? Hmm. I always just like creeping into the shadows and just grabbing enemies. Yeah. <laughs> don't know that he's there, and then just knocking him out and being as quiet as possible. Those are always fun to pull off in the Arkham games too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you there. Um, what is the best case Batman has solved? Batman has solved. Hmm. You see, I'm gonna go back to my old favorite, the Untold Legend of the Batman story, where you solved the own case of his parents' murder, and it took him. At first, he thought he solved it when he got Joe Chill, but then years later. He found out the person who hired Joe Chill, Joe Chill, which was Lou Moxon. So it was kind of like a case that had to be open, closed, and then reopened a few times. But when Bruce finally solved it, that had to be a great feeling for him. Even though, as much as I love that story, I still like it where Bruce never finds uh, Joe Chill or the parent who killed or the man who killed his parents. If some stories he goes unnamed, it does make for. I think a more thematic element to Batman storytelling where it's the never ending fight because he never found the person who killed his parents and it was just one of those things where it was, it was a random act of crime and there was no motive or uh, a hit put on the wings or anything like that. It's just one of those things, the wrong place at the wrong time. I think that adds to Batman's crusade a little more. But when it does have it where it's Joe yeah. Chill and uh, there was a hit put on him, it's how it was told in the Untold Legends of the Batman that was my favorite and how Batman solves it eventually so I'll go with that one you know I'm probably going to say I mean he, he doesn't really do any um, solving it's more like he does research but um, I'm going to say Heart of Ice because I mean Mr. Freeze isn't really a memorable villain and it's not until you learn what happens to him that you really care and it, it it's just one of those weird things where they tell you through Batman what Mr. Freeze has been through and you somehow care for for Mr. Freeze so I'm probably going to say that's that that's a good one too uh, his third one is what are your favorite comic adaptations yeah, so Alex gave his below, but I guess before we go to those, we'll give ours. But I'm going to agree with one of oh. his. <laughs> I mean, his number one Batman the Animated Series. Can't go wrong with that. But I'll also throw in, I'm going to go with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as one of my favorites right now. I mean, they're adapting classic stories in some of their movies. Sometimes they're not building their own universe, but they're adapting the characters in a great way, and it's still going strong, at least for me right now. So I'll pick that. Then I'm going to go with uh, the current uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series where they've taken that one. And I should give a shout out to the one that was in air during 2003 because both of those series did adaptions of some of the old Mirage comics from the Turtles early days when they were the black and white comics and adapted into some great stories for their animated series. So Turtles on the animated front have done a great job too. So I'll give those three my nods. Um. Yeah, definitely Batman the Animated Series. Um, two, 
I'm gonna agree with Alex. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, and three. Hmm, what's my third one, Tim? Hmm. Have you liked Batman: The Brave and the Bold's adaption of uh, Classic Man? <laughs> How could I forget, Tim? Yes, How could I forget? Forget, Dana. Disappointed. Yeah. Yep, their adaptation of is definitive. But I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Unless there's yeah. gonna be a movie, <laughs> that'll be the greatest superhero movie ever. But made. I'm not joking when I say the Brave uh, of the Bold plastic man was pretty darn funny. He made me some good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Alex gives his, and he says, uh, "One Batman the animated series. We all know why it rocks, especially Tim. This series." shaped my worldview as a little dude until I got into Catholicism. It's just really ingrained in me, so it feels weird sometimes to list it. Actually, that's really weird in itself. That was the <laughs> Two, uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball ABC, <laughs> I love this franchise, can't you see? I was going, I was going to put Dragon Ball is my favorite comic book run, but I figured I'd spare you, Dane. This time, I figured differently. Goku is the only fictional character that influenced my life besides Batman and Big. I gotta ask Alex; he can let us know on the next email if he's watching Dragon Ball Super that just started airing dubbed anyway on Cartoon Network the last few weeks. So I'm finally starting to watch it, and it's great having Dragon New Dragon Ball back. So <laughs> I'm curious to see if Alex feels the same way. It's been a lot of fun to watch again after. She's over 15 years now, so <laughs> it's cool. So, Alex, let me know what you think of Dragon Ball Super if you watched it. What's the name of the purple guy again? Uh, the, the few purple guy. <laughs> um, Frieza, the like, white and purple one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. right now the main villain yeah. is a purple cat <laughs> type creature. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Alex's third is the Dark Knight trilogy. Holy bat talent guys it's incredible how many talented people were involved with these movies something i loved about the nolan movies is that they reinforced the notion that batman is not a superhero he's just a man who only functions because he has so many people backing him and because he has a ton of money that's something i like about bruce batman only worked because of alfred leslie lucius harold various sensei um Zatara, henry Descartes, gordon dent his employees, the GCPD, the Arkham staff, the court systems, construction workers, etc. Plus, he had great parents. And Alex answers the email by saying, Dane, Tim, keep being awesome. Alex, sent for my <laughs> iPhone. Sent for my iPhone. <laughs> you really are reading the whole thing on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, Alex had the... He had the thought to send us an email first and to resend it. So I have to read the entire thing. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Alex. As always, we'll continue to be awesome as you continue to yeah. be awesome in sending us our, those emails. Well, uh, Tim, why don't you read Jordan's email? All right. As always, Jordan has sent us an email for this episode also. He says, hey, Dane and Tim, first off, it's great to have you guys back podcasting again after that little... Well, to be fair, he says... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just used to saying Dane and Tim first because I always like to go alphabetically <laughs> when you got multiple people involved with something. Oh, okay. So. 
Uh, he says, first off, it's great to have you guys back podcasting again after that little break. I could be, uh, hope you guys had both a great holidays and a happy new year. Well, thanks, uh, Jordan. It's good to be back, as Dane said in Alex's email. He goes, Dane was right. I am an Atlanta Hawks fan, and I am from Atlanta. So yeah. to answer that question as well. Well, he must be excited because his uh, Atlanta Falcons are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so it's going to be them and the Patriots, right? Yeah. I think so. I'm not involved with football. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I just saw Atlanta Falcons, and then uh, uh, Jordan sent in his email, and I read that he is an Atlanta Hawks fan. I don't think they're doing that good this year. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that great of a year for the Braves in 2017 either. I mean, they'll have their new stadium, oh, but yeah. they're still they're almost at the end of the rebuilding process. I think they have another year or two to go before they're back. And and why do they need yeah. a new stadium? <laughs> I'm sure that can't be happy for you as an Oakland fan. But I, no. I've heard things are moving or uh, looking kind of good for Oakland to be getting a new stadium soon. Yeah, yeah, it won't happen. <laughs> So you're not optimistic. <laughs> it's it's the 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 rights that the Giants have and the Oakland uh, yeah. people. Yeah, they say that the Raiders moving is going to help them uh, to hopefully, yeah, get really? things going to get a new stadium. Why? Yeah, I, wouldn't it be better if the the Raiders? I guess stayed? not. I'm not sure how all that stuff works. <laughs> you got those multiple teams sharing a stadium, but that's it, going to help. I mean, yeah. that's good for them. Well, I mean. The, it, the Coliseum is the only stadium that doubled as both uh, a football yeah, and that a baseball has to stop stadium. for all baseball teams. It's just yeah. not good. <laughs> well, you know what has to stop, Tim? The entire Coliseum yeah. has to stop. <laughs> because, I mean, I mean, I don't know where their closest affiliate is. Um, uh, AAA or AA minor league affiliate. But I think they need to go and play there because... And they can't seem to get a stadium built, and I mean, come on, it's the Coliseum. It, but, I mean, the thing is like fifty years old already. It's falling apart. It has bad plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something has to happen. Yeah, so almost any minor league stadium would but, be better than a Coliseum. Yeah, uh, but that being said, the uh, Atlanta Hawks are twenty-seven and twenty. I don't know if that's good right now or. They're kind of in the middle of the basketball season now, right? So, yeah, yeah, I think it's. Well, let's let's check their division. Oh no, sorry, sorry, uh, Jordan. Uh, they're number one in their their division. So that's definitely good. So, <laughs> yeah, they're twenty-seven and twenty. Uh, they're ahead of the Wizards, the Hornets, the Magic, and the Heat. So, sorry <laughs> about that, Jordan. Uh, but but that doesn't mean that. The, the the A's new stadium. You mean the Braves need a new stadium, right? No, no. The A's I thought you were saying that doesn't mean the Braves should get a new stadium or something like. I thought that's what you're referring to, but I guess yeah, not. I mean, <laughs> why why are they moving? I mean, why are they making a new stadium? Parking's bad. <laughs> I think that's a big reason. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the there there was no need for a new Yankee Stadium either. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. <laughs> Especially when the first one's such hollow ground too, so they didn't need to get a new one. Yeah, you know what I've been wondering 
you know how the 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 LA Rams uh, moved to LA, and then uh, the the Chargers uh, moved yeah. to LA. Uh, are they going to be build? Uh, are they going to build two different stadiums, or is are they going to share one? Yeah, I don't know because when the Rams were here before and the Raiders were here, I'm not sure if they shared one or they had two. But I'm sure they're going to use whatever they used yeah. back then. So. <laughs> Oh really? It's it's still around. I think so, but again, so I don't follow football at all, so I'm not really 100 yeah. percent sure. They're not using Dodger Stadium, Dodger yeah. Stadium or Angel Stadium, that's for sure. Oh, even yeah, though the Chargers not. stole uh, the Dodgers I, logo I, I, for a I bit. <laughs> are are any of those stadiums uh, football capable? It doesn't look like it to me, but I'm sure if they wanted to, they could because they do at Yankee yeah. Stadium sometimes too. So. But not professional football, mm. but sometimes they have the pinstripe bowl and, no. and stuff like that. So, no, I see. But anyway, yeah. back to Jordan's email. Well, I mean, they can move up to <laughs> they, they, they they can move up to Oakland, <laughs> one of them, because it's. I mean, the Raiders aren't going to be there anymore. Uh, you would love that. Huh? This is another team to play at the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, might as well. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, back to Jordan's email. Sorry, Jordan, we got on that tangent. Yeah, sorry, so, sorry about that, Jordan. <laughs> I'm still mad about these not getting a stadium or not be or being considered a a big market team. Yeah, it's, Dane's going to be eventful Ace fan for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> he continues on to say, "Let me just start by diving into my thoughts on the recent Batman comics because there were a lot to catch up on." Spoilers. Despite your warning, Tim, I listened to your thoughts on Batman 12 through 14 on the last episode. Yes, we are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum regarding Tom King's Batman run, but if we all agreed on everything, then what the world wouldn't be as nearly as interesting. And you're 100% right, Jordan. That's what makes podcasts and discussions more fun. <laughs> you told me on Twitter there was something in Bruce's letter that irked you, and my guess as to what it was was or my guess as to what it was was wrong. I thought it was going to be Bruce admitting to having his slit his wrist. I actually get where you're coming from, though, about Bruce speculating that his parents would be laughing if they knew what he was doing. It seems a little out of place, given that in Batman 1, of Rebirth, facing near certain death, he asked Alfred if his parents would be proud, with Alfred assuring him that they would be. It still doesn't bother me that much, but I definitely understand your problem with it. I thought Batman 15 was an excellent finale to I Am Suicide. I was relieved that Catwoman hadn't betrayed Batman, and it was really cool to see them team up to take down Bane. I agree about how creative it was for the ventriloquist and Scarface to be used in the way they were to defeat Psycho Pirate. The final monologue from Batman to Bane was a highlight for me, as the tease that Bane is going to go back on Venom and try to get revenge on Batman has me very excited. Also, I couldn't have pictured a more perfect ending than Batman and Catwoman kissing and riding off into the sunset. Okay, here it goes. If you thought I was singing King's praises before, as Jack Nicholson's Jokers might say, wait till you get a load of this. Batman 14 is my favorite single issue of Batman I have ever read. And that's all in caps. <laughs> wow. Yes, I really mean that. King has been writing Bat-Cat dialogue so well from the first time we saw her in I Am Suicide. But this is where it really gets to shine even more. They speak in such a distinct way to one another, as if between each other they are able to understand even what isn't being said verbally. I was teary-eyed from that gorgeous splash page of them kissing on the rooftop on page 5, up until the very end of the issue. 
To me, the issue was about how Batman had and Catwoman each have a compulsive need to do certain things, fighting crime and stealing, respectively. But she is finally able to convince him to spend their last night together doing something they want to do and being happy rather than doing what they have to do. Also, I gotta give props to King for bringing in a bunch of D-list Batman villains against, again and making cool use of them. Yeah, that was a great part of 14. I got a kick of seeing the Condiment King <laughs> being used in that issue. That was pretty cool. And uh, he says, as I lost my place <laughs> in his email, he goes, and Tim, I was glad to hear that you liked issue 14 better than the I Am Suicide Squad arc. As for issue 15, I thought it was incredible too. It didn't quite top 14 for me, how could it? But it was pretty close. I love how it started on the rooftop where the last issue ended, steamy, and the way King weaves in two versions of the first meeting of Batman Year One, of Batman Number One and Year One was really well done. Catwoman then flees as she admitted she would, and the way they resolved the mystery of the 237 murders was immensely satisfying. The final line of the issue, she stole the night, was heartbreaking. I can't wait to see where the series goes next with this not being completely resolved and with Bane on his way to exact revenge. I'm super excited about the button coming in April. I'm a big fan of Watchmen, and I love the movie too, Tim. And while I understand Dane's apprehension about seeing those characters integrated into the main DCU, I'm still excited to see what happens. Even if it doesn't work out well, it's not like it can detract from the original graphic novel in any way. I'm confident it will work, though, at least for me, because King is one of the writers behind it. My question is when Jeff Johns is going to get involved, since he teased he'd be writing something featuring Dr. Manhattan this year. Yeah, so I'm with you. I mean, you'll hear my review later on the episode, but you'll be happy to know, Jordan, I pretty much agree with you on Batman number 15, too. So it should be a much more positive <laughs> review of a Tom King issue than I have in the episodes past. So look forward to that later. And he goes, speaking of Tom King, I just got to meet him. He, along with Benjamin Percy, Greg Rucka, Joshua Williamson, Robert Venditti, and Batman editor Mark Dole did a panel and signing at a Barnes & Noble in Atlanta. I got to ask questions to both Tom and Benjamin, then I got my copies of Batman 14 and Green Arrow number 8 signed by them. They're both super nice guys, and they had very interesting things to say about their respective books. It was honestly one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had, so I just thought I'd share that. Yeah, that's awesome, Jordan. I saw some of your pictures on Instagram. It was cool they did out of Barnes & Nobles, too. But, yeah, awesome you got to meet them and to hear what they had to say, especially for you knowing how big of a fan you are of Tom King's Batman. That had to be a thrill, so that's super awesome. I wanted to pitch in on Alex's questions about what you think the Joker's parents were like. I thought that was a fascinating question. I prefer to think that they were loving parents and that he had a relatively happy childhood. This is because I am a fan of the Joker's Killing Joke origin where he was just an ordinary man who had one bad day which made him snap and become a monster. Having a bad normal childhood works perfectly with an origin for him. Yeah, as we said in our last episode, we agree with that. I think it makes for a more compelling, intriguing aspect of the Joker if he had a good childhood upbringing, too. He continues saying, I also wanted to answer another one of Alex's questions about my favorite stories where Batman is portrayed more as a vigilante than as a superhero and what my preferences as to which I prefer. I guess I'll start by saying that while I love both, I tend to prefer when he is portrayed more as a vigilante. In the comics, I think a few of my favorite stories are that is the case where the or the oh, let me read that again. <laughs> he goes in the comics, I think a few of my favorite stories where that is the case are the Long Halloween, Dark Victory, and Year One. In all of them, there's a lot of focus on him taking on street-level and organized crime. 
Of course, another great version of Vigilante Batman is the Dark Knight trilogy, especially the Dark Knight. And finally, I want to give a nod to the Batman the Animated Series, where in Season 1, a huge plot point was Batman being hunted by the police department due to his vigilante status. Commissioner Gordon hadn't arrived yet, and the police chief at the time, Angel Rojas, was very anti-Batman. I thought that was done very well. Tim, I'm glad you liked the clip from Teen Titans. Ron Perlman was fantastic as Deathstroke, or Slade, as he was simply called in the series. He was just so menacing, I'd also love to see him repraise the role again at some point. Dane, I did indeed get to have some Lego Batman fun recently. I went to two different movie theaters to see Passengers and Why Him, both great movies, especially the latter, and both theaters had pretty awesome Lego Batman movie displays. The wait is almost over. Yeah, that comes out just in a few weeks in February. I don't think my theater has too many displays, though, because, yeah, as we were talking about on his last email, he took some pretty cool pictures of what the displays they had there, but I don't think my theater has too much. <laughs> Maybe when the movie's actually out, they'll put them up, but, yeah, just yeah. a few more weeks. I'm definitely going to be checking that one out. And as always, Jordan has some questions. He goes, number one, what is your favorite scene from each live-action Batman film to date? I'll go with Batman 66, the scene where Robin and Alfred are following Bruce and Selina, Miss Kitka, in the Batmobile. Batman 89, the scene where the Joker kills Carl Grissom. Batman Returns, the scene where Bruce and Selina are dancing and realize who each other are. Batman Forever, the death of John and Mary Grayson at Haley's Circus. You forgot uh, Dick's brother in that one, Jordan. <laughs> I even forget his name. He shouldn't even be in that movie in the first place. Then for Batman and Robin, he goes to the scene where Alfred tells Bruce, For what is Batman if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world? Batman begins when Batman takes out uh, Falcone's men one by one at the docks. The Dark Knight, the interrogation scene between Batman and the Joker. The Dark Knight rises when Alfred, Lucius, and John Blake each find out that Bruce lived at the end. And Batman v Superman, the Batman versus Superman battle. Yeah, this is a great question, Jordan. I haven't really thought about it as far as each movie goes, is what my favorite scene is. So I had to think about it. But if I had my choices, they would be for Batman 66. I mean, I'm going to have to go with the classic Batman shark, bat shark spray repellent. <laughs> that shark is just chomping on Batman's leg. <laughs> he needs to get the bat shark spray repellent to get it off. I mean, that's just classic. So I'll go with that one. At Batman 89, I'm going to go with the whole sequence in the Ace Chemicals factory before uh, Jack Napier falls into the acid and becomes the Joker. I just love that whole action sequence with Batman showing up and the cops and the mobsters are having the shootout. Batman has tons of great moments. You see the birth of the Joker in live action for the first time, so I just love that whole sequence. Batman Returns, I'm going to go with something similar. I like the beginning sequence of that movie with Batman fighting the Penguin's clown game. I love the whole atmosphere of it being in the snow. Batman, how the bat signal shines, and he's just sitting there in his chair, and then he goes into action. The only thing I don't like is when he burns that guy with the Batmobile's engine. <laughs> Another Batman death or kill that felt out of character. <laughs> Batman Forever. Uh, I guess my favorite shot would be the very end where they're running <laughs> towards the camera to see the bat signal and just their silhouettes. I always like that shot. It was cool no matter what you think of the movie or their costumes, because you can't really see the costumes. But I will say kind of what uh, your favorite moment was, the death of the Graysons. I do like that line of dialogue when uh, Batman comes in. The scene's ridiculous where Dick Grayson takes the Batmobile 
and start to show it off against those neon street gangs, <laughs> and then they all scatter off as Batman shows up. I do like it when Dick starts like punching at Batman, and then Batman just sells him. If Bruce Wayne could have saved your parents' life, he would have. That was a very Batman Dick Grayson moment, especially if, kind of when their relationship's just building. Still, just feels a little off that Dick Grayson, as old as he is, <laughs> it works better in the animated series episode when Dick gets mad at him for letting Tony Zuko go to save him when he's still a young boy. But the heart of it was there in Bruce's dialogue, so I did like that. Batman and Robin, geez. <laughs> the scene you mentioned, I can't even remember <laughs> because I don't watch this movie too often. Um, I'm going to go with, I know it's in there, and if no dialogue spoken is probably better for it, but just Mr. Freeze looking on Nora in the tank that's, you know, lifted right from the animated series. So amongst everything else that's awful in that movie, just seeing it visually was kind of cool. Seeing that classic Mr. Freeze story being represented represented that way for a brief moment without being silly. So I guess I'll go with that. Batman Begins, I'm going to go the interrogation with Flask. That was the moment where I saw the movie going, yes, this is the Batman I've been waiting for <laughs> to see on screen. They were nailing it. So that one will always be my favorite. The Dark Knight, I'm right there with you, the interrogation scene. And Dark Knight Rises, uh, we just finished talking about it. The fight between Bane, seeing that classic moment from Nightfall be brought to life in act- live action was awesome. And then Batman v Superman, the warehouse battle, as I mentioned earlier. So those would be my picks. The when you think about all the Batman movies, it's you gotta. There's a lot now, so there's a lot to think over, which you know makes for a good discussion as far as what actually are your favorite moments. So those are mine. How about you, Dane? Uh, for me, Batman '66, uh, definitely the shark repellent spray, because I mean, B- Batman has a lot of gadgets, but to introduce bat repellent spray. <laughs> Is amongst genius. other because that was a shark one but there was other sprays in that helicopter yeah. too <laughs> I mean yeah excuse me shark repellent spray uh, Bama 89 um, the scene in the at the end between uh, Joker and Batman when they're in that uh, it looks like mm, a clock okay. tower um, uh, Batman Returns um, hmm uh, probably the end with uh, man, I forget the guy's name. Uh, Max Shrek. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shrek, uh, Penguin, and um, I think Selena's down yep. there too, right? Uh, in the in the sewer, and Batman rips off his mask. Uh, definitely that scene. Um, Batman Forever. When it ended. When the credits rolled, <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin. Same. <laughs> There's so many great scenes in that movie. Uh, yeah, probably <laughs> when the credits rolled. <laughs> uh, Batman begins. Um, you know what? I'm gonna try to be different to him. Uh, I like seeing his whole journey in the in the first hour. Okay. Uh, you, you know, tr- training with the Le- League of Shadows. Um, you know, I, I, I liked all of that um, because it didn't feel like a Batman movie. I mean, it was almost like a completely different yeah. movie. Like they they did they didn't even have to introduce Batman in, into the movie. Uh, the Dark Knight, definitely the interrogation scene. 
Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Um, hmm. The Bane fight scene that we just watched. I mean, you, you can't beat that, right? Nope. Then? Especially when you go over it minute by minute for the last four episodes. <laughs> it makes you appreciate it even yeah. more. Um, Batman v Superman. Now, am I remembering this correct? Were there credits in Batman vs. Superman? <laughs> in the beginning, were, you mean? right? Oh, okay. Okay, at the end. Uh, yeah, definitely when the credits were. Oh, come on, you gotta say the warehouse fight at least. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I will say my favorite moment was right in the beginning when um, um, the created by was uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger. That's a great call. Yeah, I. Yeah, nothing yeah. else. It's great that Batman v Superman at least had that on there for the first time in a movie. That's a great call. Yep. <laughs> right. Oh, excuse me. With Bill Finger. Yeah, I guess I that, you have to be technically correct on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the second question is: Out of the list of actors reported to be in consideration for the role of Hal Jordan in Green Lantern Corps, who would be your pick? I'd be content with any of them except for Ryan Reynolds, actually. My aversion to Reynolds in the role is probably not for the reason you think, though. I actually thought he was an excellent Hal Jordan in, 2000, in the 2011 Green Lantern movie, and I really enjoyed that movie overall, to be honest. That's something, Jordan, we can agree on. Yes, that has tons of problems, and, but Ryan Reynolds was not one of them. I thought he would have been a good Hal Jordan, too, if there was a better script in there and there was more focus on him being a Green Lantern instead of Hector Hammond and all that stuff. But I'm with you. It's not as bad as the reputation I think it gets. Or at least I could watch it and still enjoy it. But I think it would be too weird to see him repraise the role in a different university, or <laughs> university, different universe slash continuity. Out of the rest of them, Tom Cruise sort of stands out to me, since I thought about him in the role before, as does Bradley Cooper, if only because I'm more familiar with his past performances than with those of the other actors on the list. Yeah, I never thought of Tom Cruise as the Hal Jordan, but when I saw his name on that rumored list, it was, I was, you know what, I could kind of see that happening, actually, especially as an older, more veteran Hal Jordan. And it has a little gray streaks on his hair. I think I could see Tom Cruise actually pulling it off. But I actually wouldn't mind Army Hammer, too. I mean, I know he's rumored to be involved in some DC project right now. He's being followed by a lot of the creative people like Jeff Johns in the movie universe. So there are rumors that he's involved in something. I think he can pull off the look of Hal Jordan. But the only thing I've seen him in was Lone Ranger. And it was kind of forgettable. I don't even remember. The movie was just all right, but his performance was okay, I guess. It wasn't notably good or bad. But I think look-wise, he could pull off a good Hal Jordan. But I think it's crazy that that rumor even has Ryan Reynolds on there. There's no way he's coming back. He had so much success with Deadpool. They want to make sure this is different from the last movie that did bomb and did horrible critically so there's no way they're bringing him back even though I, like you said Jordan he was not bad as hell Jordan at all but I don't know any of those names catch your eye mm. if you saw that list of the potential hell Jordans now uh, remind me who, who's on it the list it was Ron Reynolds uh, Tom Cruise Bradley Cooper Army Hammer and there might have been one more who I'm blanking on but those are the four that I'm remembering right now Probably Army Hammer because I haven't really seen him in anything. Um, yeah, probably Army Hammer. I know he's like he 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 was rumored to oh, be he Batman, was cast right? as Batman. <laughs> Batman. Yeah, 
just never oh, happened. It was? Oh. Oh, right, right. It just never happened. Um, probably Army Hammer or uh, Brad Cooper. Uh, Tom Cruise, um, back when he was making Top Gun. Yeah, they are going for uh, that old Hal Jordan. I know. Yes. There actually were two actors uh, on here. Uh, Cole McHale and Jake Gyllenhaal were the other two on that rumored list. Uh, who's uh, Joel Hill? He's a. I know the name, but I don't think I've seen him too much. So I think he might be a comedic actor. Hold on, let me look. Let me look him up. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. I can't Joel see Hill. being a Hal Jordan. Personally, I don't think he has a look for him. But I know he's a good actor, though, so he could probably pull that off. As far as from a characterization. No. No, definitely not Joel Hill. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, now that you mentioned it, I kind of see Jake Gyllenhaal. Really? <laughs> Hal Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I mean, he's a great Yeah, actor. I know that. To me, he just doesn't uh, have the look of Hal Jordan that I'm used to in the comics and all that. But I know it doesn't have to look exactly like him. But just when I see a picture of him, it doesn't scream Hal Jordan to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Bradley Cooper or Jake Gyllenhaal. I'd be happy with either. Bradley Cooper was close in the 2011 movie. I think Ryan Reynolds just beat him out. Like, there was a top two. Uh, Remember Justin Timberlake, I think, was like, they were like the top three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or, you know who would be a good uh, Hal Jordan? Maybe like a younger Hal Jordan? Um, Ryan Gosling. I think he, he'd be a good uh, yeah, Hal Jordan. Yeah, I can Jordan. see that. Yeah. I mean, he has that look. I mean, he looks like Hal Jordan. So Yeah. Like I said, when we found out the script was being written, just glad that we're hearing stuff, whether it's rumors or but it just means things are happening with this movie finally. So yeah. I am happy about that. Yeah, but it's gonna be Green Lantern mm-hmm. Corps. Yeah. It's it's so it's not it's not gonna just be about Hal no, Jordan. No, it's supposed right? to be Hal Jordan and John Stewart. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, and John Stewart. And oh. hopefully it just takes place all in space. Maybe just have very little on Earth, because that's where I'll a lot of the 2011 movie failed. They like they couldn't wait to get out of the cosmic stuff and back to Earth. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you got to have a Carol Dennis, right? You don't have to. I mean, maybe they want to throw that in, but I think they're going to go more cosmic, where there's barely anything on Earth or relating to that. Maybe she'll have a small world, but I don't know. Well, I mean, they, they they have to have a love interest. They right? can make it because, another one I mean, of the female Green Lanterns. <laughs> I mean, Man of Steel had yeah. Lois, and it looks like Wonder Woman's going to have uh, Steve Trevor. So, yeah, I'm hoping it's more of a team dynamic, which is not Hal Jordan and John Stewart. They'll be the main characters, but they'll be amongst an ensemble of other Green Lantern core members. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, well, I mean, if if you're going to do a Green Lantern core movie, you got to include the other Green Lanterns. It can't be the the uh, John Stewart Hal Jordan. Movies, yeah, right? <laughs> that's what I'm banking on. Like, get Kilowog in there, maybe have Chip the Squirrel Green Lantern. <laughs> that would be awesome to see. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for Jordan's email. So, as always, thanks, Jordan, for the email and the great questions. And we'll look forward to your next one on the next episode. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Um, so, now we can get into our comic book reviews. And like we say at the beginning of every comic book, uh, section. Uh, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this um, in this part of the podcast. So if you haven't read your books, you might want to come back to this part after you've done that. Uh, for this uh, episode, we're going to 
be reviewing Batman number 15, Detective Comics number 949, Batman Beyond number 4, Batman TMNT Adventures number 3, and Wonder Woman number 15. So with that being said, first, I should say that I didn't get to read my books this this uh, week, Tim. <laughs> Curious what you thought of Detective and Wonder Woman. Um, and secondly, our rating scale for this episode is going to be... Um, oh, How Tim, about should it be? pointless side quests in Final Fantasy XV that have nothing to do with the story? Okay. Definitely. <laughs> that's going to be it. <laughs> uh, pointless side quests in Final Fantasy XV that don't seem to have anything to do with anything. All right. So we'll just, I'll kick off with Batman number 15. So, yeah, as I hinted, I was reading Jordan's email. The, it was only a two-issue story arc, but this was definitely the best of Tom King's. <laughs> Maybe since it was so, so short, that's why I enjoyed it more. But, yeah, like Jordan said, it was a great Catwoman and Batman story. Definitely, you know, Solidized, I think, you know, Batman has a lot of love interests, but while the one with Selena Kyle and Catwoman is always the best. And as Jordan said in his email, I loved how it started off, where they were both talking about the first time they met each other as Batman and Catwoman, and Catman was thinking of Batman as how he was in year one where he's going undercover and she fights him and then Batman's remembering that time in Batman number one where she was disguised as an older woman to steal this jewel on a ship but Batman caught her and I love the art style too how it captured both of those eras of those stories the one from Batman number one has that classic golden age feel and year one looks like uh, the year one style from Drake or uh, how that artwork was. I was going to say by Frank Miller, the artist, but I know he didn't draw it. So, uh, that, that was a cool little nod there. And then the big mystery as far as the murder of those uh, over 200 uh, people who killed or burned down that orphanage that Catwoman was in, um, we finally got the reveal that it wasn't actually Catwoman like Batman realized. And he went to go confront Holly Robertson because he was trying to find Catwoman after she left him on the rooftop. And he was going to ask for her help. Like, where can you find her? He knows he's innocent. But Holly gets scared. She was going to uh, give him uh, like uh, a phone a phone number to call a Batman on. But it turns out to be a knife. And she slashes Batman's throat. Of course, thankfully, as protection on that cow. So it didn't kill him. But he's still kind of weak. And as he makes his way out of the her apartment, he falls. And Catwoman ends up catching him this time and saving him from the rooftops. And that's where it gets revealed as she's patching him up that she didn't kill those people. It was actually Holly Robinson. And they have a history together, Selena and Holly, where she helped her. She she trained her. She tried to be there for him because she knows she was always angry. Uh, she was just a, tr- a troubled child. And Selena was her friend. It was the only one who was there for her. So once that orphanage they were in got burned down, Holly was the one who turned on and killed those 237 people who did it out of anger for what happened. But Catwoman and Selina saying that she would always look out for her and protect her. She had to take the fall, and so she took the blame for her. And I know that was a great resolution to the story because it did seem a little out there that Catwoman would do that. And so I'm glad it's resolved where she really wasn't the person who killed 237 people, but yeah, she was just looking out for her friend Holly Robinson. And so after she patches Batman up, she uh, tells Alfred, you know, what's going on, to leave a message for Batman. And once Bruce wakes up in the Batcave, uh, Batman's saying, telling Alfred that she stole it. And Alfred goes, I went over everything. There's nothing, you know, in Wayne Manor or the Batcave 
that's been gone. Everything's accounted for. Like, what did she steal? And Batman just says, the night, Alfred. She stole the night. This is a great bit of dialogue to capture the relationship that Batman and Catwoman had and just this whole story arc in general. So it was a very strong story, this issue, and then just the two-part story in general was really, really good. So definitely Tom King's best captured the relationship of Batman and Catwoman really well. So and I'm glad I left it where, you know, they didn't leave it where we're officially done or, you know, we're going to get married or anything like that. It still has that on-again, off-again feel that the Batman-Catwoman relationship always has. So I'm going to give this one four out of five pointless side quests in Final Fantasy XV that has nothing to do with the story. So I think that's the highest I've given an issue of Batman in a long time. So it's good to be able to do that again. And I'm excited for the new Bane story coming up, too. He's back on Venom, and hopefully it's just a classic Bane and Batman encounter that we haven't had in a long time. So I am excited and hopeful for that. And moving on to Detective Comics number 949. We're getting short story arcs uh, this, this month in the comics, which is kind of nice to get a little palate cleanser from the big arcs before we get to another one. So this concludes the Batwoman Begin story. Uh, this one was basically c- kind of setting up, I think, Batwoman's uh, ongoing title that's coming up. Didn't have much to do with what's going on in Detective, but um, we know where it left, last left off. Uh, the member from the colony was trying to break out uh, her father, but it was kind of against his wishes. He didn't want him to do this. It was like his best student and who knew all of Batwoman and Batman's moves. But as usual, he overestimates himself, and Batman and Batwoman are able to trap him, able to think that he was actually in the same room to free her father, but it was a hologram, and they were able to take him out pretty easily. And Batwoman had this cool hologram effect, where there's like tons of her beating up on him. So it was kind of cool to see this confident guy who thinks he's better than Batman uh, get what's coming to him. So that was good, but the best part of the issue was the flashback sequence of uh, Kate and Batman. There was a great moment in the beginning where... Batman realizes or knows he's been even followed by her and he goes into her hideout and she, you know, throws her bowl of noodles at Batman and shoots him in the leg. But Batman's going to apprehend her and take the gun away. They just have a great discussion as far as how she's monitoring him. She wants to be like him. And she asks the question as far as, you know, like, tell me, like, why you fight? What am I missing? Like, how do I do this whole crime fighting thing right? I just love the panel where it shows her gun on the on the floor, and Batman just says, "I don't use guns." And she, <laughs> I just love it when Batman, the he again enforces his rule of not using any guns, and how she, the difference between them is that she wants to be a soldier, and he you know wants to be a hero. And well, that was kind of a big uh, theme throughout the whole issue, and so it kind of sets up where her and her father you know, are talking about the threat that's coming and he still needs her and they're kind of going to go back to a relationship of working together but not quite because he's still in prison but yet they're going to do things a little differently. So, like I said, it's kind of setting up her own ongoing series uh, from Detective. So that's something to be the focus for this story arc. It was good, nothing great. Like I said, some good uh, flashback stuff between Kate and Batman. And again, I'm not sure if I remember right or if I've read too much of the descriptions of Batwoman. If she's leaving the team, it doesn't look like it from this issue. I just hope, you know, we don't lose another member <laughs> from this great team that we're getting detective. So I just hope it keeps the core group. We lost Tim and Spoiler. So I hate to lose Batwoman too. So if anything, hopefully they're going to be able to balance out good where she has her own thing, but yet she's still involved with the detective story. So this one I'm going to give three and a half out of five 
pointless side quest in Final Fantasy XV that had nothing to do with the story. Looking forward to the next arc in Detective Oz, also what's going to do with the League of Assassins. So good stuff on the horizon for the Batman comics, that's for sure. And Batman Beyond number four. This one I was a little disappointed in because, like I said in the quick hit review I gave last uh, episode about Batman Beyond number three, it was revealed the Joker they're trying to bring back to life is actually Bruce Wayne. And not much moved on that front. This issue is mainly about Dana and Terry trying to make their escape from the Joker's reign or Joker's gang and being held by his little brother, Matt. And the coolest part about this issue was that he, Terry gets a pretty awesome new Batman Beyond suit. And I love the original Batman Beyond suits. It's one of my favorite Batman costumes. But this one was pretty cool. It's a little more, there's like red lightning streaks throughout the suit and the, the eye lenses are designed a little differently. It just had a really cool, I know the original suit's futuristic, but this one even had a more futuristic feel. <laughs> so not quite as good as the original, but it was a cool little upgrade. And seeing it in action take out a bunch of Jokers was pretty awesome. But yeah, the whole Bruce Wayne being disguised as the real Joker plot thread didn't get really going into the very end of the issue. Um, he gets taken from his life support system in the Joker's hideout, and it looks like he's being taken to Wayne, uh, the Wayne Enterprises building. But Bruce, Dana, and his brother, they were looking at the computer monitor, and they realized that, oh, that's actually Bruce Wayne, and he's still alive. So we didn't get their realization to it until the very end, which I was hoping was happening sooner in this issue. But looks like that main story aspect is going to be the, at the forefront in the next one, which I'm looking forward to. So this one was just okay. It was cool to see the bat suit in action, the new one. So I'm just going to give it two and a half out of five pointless side quests in Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 15 that had nothing to do with the story. And then Batman and Team and T Adventures number three. <laughs> this one continues to be as fun as I was hoping. And now that we're three issues into it, I'm kind of just taking it in for what it is. It's not going to have that uh, emotional core aspect to it as a story and character moments go, like the one by James Tinian did. And that's fine because this one is more lighthearted because the animated series of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles going on right now is a little more lighthearted and you're mixing in with Batman the Animated Series so it's not going to be as I guess more serious as the other one was which is fine this one's still a great fun read just seeing these characters interact in the different circumstances never (laughs) is never going to get old for me I just love it this one they were taking on Poison Ivy and the Turtles villain Snakeweed who's a big plant monster just hearing them interact together, just so much fun. Robin and Raphael had some funny dialogue to each other. Raph's making fun of his name, Robin, and Robin's like, oh yeah, what do you call yourself? He's all, Raphael. Like, oh yeah, you're so much better than Robin. You sure showed me. <laughs> just little jabs at each other. It's really fun. But at the same time, showing how each of them have their own unique skills to take down their opponents. So they're able to take down Poison Ivy and Snakeweed, and they go back to the lair for, mon- for more fun character dynamics. Looks like... Uh, Donatello is trying to hit on Batgirl <laughs> while uh, uh, Batgirl is shocked at seeing Splinter coming around and April looks to be hitting on uh, Robin. So just little fun character teenager dynamic stuff going on in there. And then the more Batman, or not Batman, uh, Joker Shredder dynamics, which <laughs> is great. It was great in the last issue, but this time uh, Joker gets the upper hand by spraying Shredder with his Joker toxin. So Shredder tries to bring all his mutants in, but Joker sprays him with the gas, and you just see Shredder laughing maniacally, which you never see Shredder do. <laughs> and so Bat or Joker, I don't know why I keep calling 
Joker Batman for this issue for some reason. But Joker gets control of Shredder's gang, which, you know, is not going to be for the best, obviously. But the issue ends in a cliffhanger that I like, teasing the next Batman villain to make his mark. Uh, Batman, Leonardo, and Raphael uh, go to a riot that's going on in the streets, and there's this gas on there. And Batman realizes, you know, it's the Scarecrow's gas. He goes to investigate, leaving Raph and Leo up on the rooftop, but they get infected with it, and they just run off in terror of their different fears, and they just bump into Jonathan Crane, who's not in the Scarecrow costume just yet, but he's been doing some operating, <laughs> some tinkering with his gas. So when you mix in Scarecrow, Batman, and the Turtles, yeah, I'm going to be all, all for it. <laughs> so I can't wait for the next issue of seeing Batman and the Turtles against uh, Scarecrow and his fear talks, and that should be a lot of fun. So again, this issue just continues to be a great mashup of these two great franchises and just really fun to read. So I'm going to give this one three out of five pointless side quests in Final Fantasy 15 that have nothing to do with the story. And then we get to Wonder Woman number 15. This is starting a new story arc, which is the truth after coming off the lies story arc. And this one was kind of, you know, setting certain things up. We got Wonder Woman now in the, you know, mental hospital here just in a padded cell. Just, you know, doesn't know what to think or believe after the revelation of she's never been to the mascara since she left. And there's some great panels in here where we get more of that tree and you just see Diana sitting like one page is her in the padded cell just of her head. And then the page before it on the left hand side is that tree and all the kind of different adventures we've had since rebirth started her time with Steve, when she left the mascara saying goodbye to her mother, her time with Cheetah when she asked for her help, just her reflecting on that and not knowing what to believe and just capturing that feel of all this going on in her mind and just feeling alone right now and not knowing what to do. Then the next page right after is her mother, Hippolyta, uh, just staring out at the ocean, knowing that she's thinking about Diana. It was almost like if you were, when you turn the page, it's like they're looking at each other, even though they're so far away. So great uh, layout right here in the panels. And then as Hippolyta was kind of thinking about Diana, they get a word that the tree that we saw show up when she got that revelation is on the mascara now it's all covered in snow and they're taking this as a bad sign so uh, it's kind of telling the other Amazon you know got to be prepared for something's coming here so we got to make sure we hold this uh, this line as Hippolyta says so that's the what's going on on Diana's front there's another moment where she's just being out on a be actually being wheeled in a wheelchair by I guess one of the workers at the hospital. He's trying to have a conversation with her, but she's just having this vision where there's a snake that's talking to her, kind of you know making things more puzzling as far as what's true and what's not true and what is real. Has any of it been real? So Diana is going through a tough time mentally right here. It's going to be interesting to see how she comes out of it. And then we got Steve, Barbara Ann, and Candy kind of being on the run from the Empire Industries uh, after uh, they try to take out. Steve and Diana on that fake uh, Themyscira Island. So they're kind of regrouping in this hotel room. Steve's kind of upset at Barbara Ann as far as, you know, it kind of, I'm trying to remember if he's actually telling her that he, she was involved with them or not, but just kind of, you know, calling her out as far as, I guess, something is being involved with that industry at one time in her life, but not necessarily now doesn't know she can be trusted. So, they do get uh, spotted by the Empire Industries uh, women of uh, there is I forget their name but they were like their own like her own military unit 
that she sent out to get Steve and anyone connected him with Wonder Woman. So Steve and uh, Candy make their way out, but Barbara Ann stays to kind of hold them off and buy some time. And then the final page is Steve and Candy going to find someone, you know, who would be useful to them and to help in the situation with Wonder Woman and the mascara. But Candy says only in an emergency. And the page, the last panel of it says, or it shows a picture of this human bull. And for some reason it looks familiar, but yet I can't pinpoint who this character is. I don't know if it was like a Minotaur character from one of the early New 52 books that I know played a role in uh, Wonder Woman's story. With uh, that Brian Azzarello wrote, but I don't think so. I don't remember him looking like that. So this could be another mythical creature that it looks like plays an important role with uh, Wonder Woman and Diana's past. So curious to see where that goes. So this one was kind of just setting the stage as far as where the characters are at right now and what their next move is. But Diana is still kind of a question mark. How is she going to, you know, mentally cope with that revelation and get her mind back as far as you know what's knowing what's true and what's not? So. We'll have to see what happens next, but I'm still intrigued and can't wait to find out when we do get those revelations and when Wonder Woman decides what is the truth. So look forward to that in the next issue, or not the next issue, since we're going to go back to the previous timeline, but this is another solid one and can't wait for more. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five pointless side quests in Final Fantasy 15 that do not add up to the story. And Wow, so, so Tom King's Batman... Gets yeah, when was the last school. time that happened? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but it's good when it does happen. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, I was about to say, that's good for, you know, for for Batman. Because hopefully they're past that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hopefully they're past, um, you know, not being the greatest book out there that's what i'm hoping for yeah just kind of tom king the more he writes yeah. the more hopefully the better he'll get with it as far as at least see that thing it's right. all just personal preferences as we know jordan and mark think what he did before is already great so but for me it's, it's been inconsistent but if it can get it where me jordan mark and a lot of other batman fans are all thinking it's great i mean that's <laughs> when it's at its best so hopefully this bane arc will do that hopefully um so yeah that that's it from us. Uh, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net on Facebook.com slash TheBatmanUniverse or on Twitter. Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. Our, twi- our show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcast. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. We're back to yeah, the 311. Darn it. I was hoping for two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. Uh, you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com and rate and review us on iTunes. So with that, as we say at the end of every single episode, Tim, what do we say, Tim? We love you with all of our hearts. Gotta stress the all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what Tim said. So with that, we'll see you guys next time.